Thanks for watching this episode of Turning to Him. I invite you to just take a few seconds right now at the beginning and subscribe to this channel so that you can get more videos like this in your feed. Thanks again. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Turning to Him. I am here with Priscilla Davis. Priscilla, how are you doing? Good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Um, give us, just to get started, give us kind of a 30-second uh, quick rundown of what you want to talk about today. Sounds good. Well, uh, I think my story really starts as a teenager. That is when I discovered the church thanks to friends and neighbors and missionaries came to our house. I got baptized when I was 14. Um, and it's it's really interesting how great of timing it was that the church came into my life because in those same teen years, I found myself going through teen depression and I went over to LDS Family Services to get some of the help that I felt that I needed. And that has been a strong foundation in my life to make sure to take care of my mental health because it, it will in turn help my spiritual health. And, you know, you fast forward now, 20 years later, basically, I'm a mother of three kids married to my high school sweetheart, but I still feel sometimes every now and then you get those, those feelings of, you know, inadequacy, some mental health challenges here and there. You have different lives, curveballs try to, you know, hit you when when you feel like, oh, you know, I can't go on anymore. But really, truly, the gospel is what helps all aspects of my life. And if I didn't have Jesus Christ there, then I don't think I could handle um, the mental the mental health challenges of our day. Sure. Okay, I, that's fantastic. I think, I mean, like you said, that's something that a lot of people deal with whether personally or in their family or their kids or something so this is exciting um let's get started you said that you you were introduced to the church when you were younger when you were a teenager where did you grow up uh in las vegas uh, i've been here maybe like 25 years so as a little i think like seven eight year old in our new house we had three out of i think six neighbors were members of the church. Oh, wow. So our, our next door neighbors became best friends with our parents. And then two houses down in that little cul-de-sac, there was a little girl exactly my age, exactly my grade. We were in classes together all during elementary school and then into middle school, high school, a little bit there. Like we're still friends to this day. It's great. But she was actually brave enough to be like, hey, do you want to come to church with me on Sunday? And my parents, like we were Catholic before. And so we, we did know about God and Jesus Christ. Um, my parents, I would say like my mom, she was more um, like brought up religiously uh, in the Catholic church. She went to like a Catholic nun school, <laughs> even growing up. So for her, she was a little bit more like, mm, I'm not really sure about this, but we love you know, we love our neighbors. We love those friends. Like they're trustworthy people. Like, sure, you can go to church. And my dad, while he grew up Catholic too, he was always this almost little rebellious kind of a guy. 
And so he grew up in Mexico, like my, my whole family's Mexican. And he wound up listening to like the Beatles and the Bee Gees as a college kid. And he was like, I'm going to live in America one day. And, and he, he didn't really feel the testimony of the Catholic church. So when he found the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, he's like, oh my gosh, this is it. <laughs> and so long story short, I, I did go to church with my little friend and my dad got baptized first. A year later, I got baptized. A year later, my brother got baptized. And another year later, my mom and my sister. So it was it was a slow time coming. But I mean, those poor elders, there was like eight missionaries at my mom's baptism because she was last. But like all of them taught her throughout all the years. And they're like, you know, you finally got her. <laughs> so funny. That's yeah. Awesome. And so the rest is history. As a side note, I do want to point out the irony that listening to the Beatles, an English band brought your dad to America. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just he, he loves that. He was in a band himself. And so he like, honest to goodness, I feel like it was the spirit who was also telling him like, the land of promise is actually in America. <laughs> That's very funny. Okay, so then, so you, you guys all join the church. I mean, it takes a long time, but but that's sometimes not always a bad thing. It sounds like each one of you joined on your own accord. It wasn't just kind of the family. Okay, I, I guess this is what we're doing this Saturday. But exactly. We're converted, and that's a continual process. But mm-hmm. okay, all right, so. You get baptized, the family's all in, um, and then talk to us about how depression starts setting and how you start noticing this. So it's interesting you ask that because, I don't know, at least in my life, I've had different people come into my life and tell me, especially like as converts, like once you make that choice to get baptized, or maybe it's someone who just recently went uh, to the temple to receive their endowments for the first time you do feel this extra, like maybe attack from the adversary, maybe certain temptations, maybe just certain trials come into your life. And I feel like, you know, the adversary is really like, okay, like now you accepted this, um, this truth of the gospel. Let's see how we can tempt you like out of it or something. And My testimony has never been uh, shaken because of my mental health challenges, but I do feel like Satan tried to just tell me that I wasn't good enough, that, you know, I could be following all the commandments, that I could be a good student, I could be a great friend, but trying to get, you know, perfect grades, trying to, I, I worked a couple jobs when I was in high school, I was trying to, you know, save money for college. I I was involved in so many extracurricular activities, cheerleading and student council. And like, it, it was never pressure, like from my parents, never pressure from church leaders, but just like, my own pressure. It was this battle within myself. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, uh, one day I was just, I was feeling really down, like too sad, like more than normal. And I just remember like, Googling teen depression. And I did that on purpose. I don't know exactly like where in my life I learned about people having mental health challenges, but let's just 
suppose that I was prompted to Google teen depression symptoms. I remember I printed out the piece of paper, like the article, and on that piece of paper, I got a highlighter and I started highlighting all these symptoms of teen depression. And once I was done highlighting, I'm like, oh my goodness, like this is what I feel like that I have. And I remember telling my mom and I said, I think I want to go see our bishop and, um, you know, go see a counselor. Like I knew that those resources were available. Again, as like a little, I don't know, 15 year old, I have no idea why I knew that, but I knew that my bishop could help me. I knew that the church had mental health professionals in, um, you know, the organization. And I remember my bishop telling me like, you know, this is so good that you recognize that you need help. And, you know, you have like your parents, you have me, you have the scriptures, you have Heavenly Father. Um, but this is just another resource that you could also add to everything that you, you know, are already doing. And I, I went to therapy for about six months and I just learned a lot better, like thought processes to think about myself, to think about the activities that I was doing, to think about, you know, what was essential and what could I, you know, get rid of in my little teen life because I, I was doing a lot like I wanted to get into college um, my dream was to go to BYU and they're they're just high expectations um, that I had for myself but I really learned to process things better have better coping skills and I'm grateful for that because I can put that to use now yeah okay so how two things that I want to talk about number one how did you know that you weren't just having a bad day, you know, because I feel like a lot of us just have bad days and we just kind of need to shake it off. But then at some point, no, that's that's depression. That's what that is. And, and you need to find help. You need to get help. How did you make that determination? Yeah, well, honestly, there there were a few moments of suicide ideation and okay. I, I just remember thinking, like, I know my life is of worth. Like, I do know that I am a daughter of heavenly parents. I, I remember, like, reciting to myself the young women's theme. And um, I knew that, you know, hurting myself was not, was not an option. It wasn't something that was right um, in the eyes of, of anyone. And when you'd have these, like, thoughts, you know, I'll be like, okay, wait, like, that's not good. Like, that's, that's not normal, should probably not have that. And thankfully, like, through, like, my own pain and discouragement, I at least feel grateful that I did know, like, okay, like, wait, stop, this isn't what should be happening in my mind right now. So that was a big um, key to know, like, okay, like, how can I help myself like not have these thoughts sure okay so feeling of self-harm feeling of you know potential suicide that type of thing yeah yeah well and, and it's probably worth just taking 30 seconds right now and just reminding if anybody who's listening to this is having thoughts of self-harm suicide anything like that please turn off the podcast and go talk to somebody um 
there's nothing to be embarrassed about. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, you need to form a team and to help because those aren't those aren't thoughts that you just shake off. And it's yeah. No, exactly. Thank you for sharing that. I feel like um, in general conference talks, for example, we've been hearing a lot more about getting that kind of help. Like Heavenly Father would want us to, you know, go to the doctor if we were sick with appendicitis. Um, right. Elder Elder Holland said that talk, his talk, um, like a broken vessel. So in the same way, like if we feel like there's a part of us that is broken, um, go ahead and seek that help. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that brings up my second question, and you already kind of got into that, but um, nowadays we are getting better culturally to not associate embarrassment or a, a sense of failure to that. Um, you know, just like if my kid is riding his bike and he falls off his bike and breaks his arm, I don't think, oh, that's embarrassing. I hope the neighbors mm -hmm. don't find out that he has a cast. Oh my gosh. I say that because my kid actually has a cast right now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, so we're getting better at that, that, that your mind works the same way. Sometimes things happen and you're, and you need help. You need professional help. Um, how did you avoid any feelings of embarrassment? I mean, it's, or did you, if you had those, how did you get through them? Talk to me about that. You know, as a teenager, I'm pretty sure that I, I didn't tell very many people. Um, like my parents knew, my bishop knew. I had a best friend who gave me the courage to tell my parents. So she knew. Okay. But honestly, like I, I'm the oldest of uh, three kids. So I never told my siblings, not until I was a grown up. And um, I think in college, I probably opened up there to some of my friends about, you know, my high school life. I, I feel like sometimes it's easier to tell strangers about yep. your past because I, there's there's no like preconceived judgments or assumptions. So, I mean, as a kid, as like a 15 year old, I probably didn't know that I could like tell my friends about some of the things that I was going through. But now as, as a mother, as a grown up, I, I'm glad that we do live in an age where you can talk about it more openly. And in turn, I've had people tell me like, oh, wow, like, thank you for sharing that. Like, I've gone through a similar experience or I'm actually considering getting some help myself. And so now I, I do think that that 20 year difference <laughs> is, is pretty big. And I think we've made a lot of good changes. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like you told your friend first before you told your parents. I did. Uh, and that you said that your friend helped you get the courage to tell your parents. Uh, why didn't we, why didn't you want to tell your parents? Just out of curiosity. I don't know. Um, I think, you know, I was just talking to a group of friends about this, how as a teenager, um, sometimes teenagers think that their parents are going to freak out when they've made either a mistake or when they, they just feel a little outside of like the normal life at home. Um, I, I think, you know, 20 years ago, especially, I don't know, like my, my parents were always like, so great and understanding. We didn't have like anger, big contention in our home. It was pretty quiet, mild. Um, I had two working parents. 
And maybe part of me didn't want to add to their burden. Maybe part of me just wasn't sure like what was wrong with myself. And so I, I didn't want to add to, to anything on their plate, perhaps. Okay. Okay. How did they respond when you told them? Uh, I think it was beautiful. They, um, I, I do think because of their background and education, like both of my parents are from Mexico. I'm pretty sure that they didn't grow up learning a lot about like mental health. Um, my mom had a pretty rough childhood with um, just like a single mom at times. And then she had um, a stepdad who adopted her and, but it, it was still kind of like a little chaotic um, childhood, but my mom wasn't able to finish high school. Even she had to drop out of school to go help financially in her home. And my dad, even though he got a graduate level degree in Mexico, you know, he was working like 80 hour weeks um, in the United States because his degree didn't transfer over. He's an architect. So in Mexico, you know, you're regarded as a highly educated person and, you know, he was super smart, but in the United States, all your licensing and accreditations and everything, they don't just transfer over. And so he, he was working construction jobs, um, you know, pretty hard to try to, you know, take care of my family. And I think, I, I think they also just weren't aware that sometimes our brains can do this. So I think um, I heard there's a doctor online who he likes to change the name of um, mental health into brain health because our brain doesn't just affect like our mental capabilities, but our brain is associated with our physical health, our spiritual health, our, our social health, even like relationships with others. And I think that type of education just wasn't available to my parents. Okay. Okay, but it it sounds like then I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like it was perhaps a new idea, a new world for them, but they were supportive. I mean, it's you went to your yeah. bishop and they you kind of all three of you kind of went through this thing together for the first time. Yeah, yeah. So I remember like my mom would take me to like my therapy appointments. Um, it was usually just me and my therapist um at LDS Family Services, but every now and then she'd bring in my mom. And I remember there was like one session where she just counseled with my mom to try to understand maybe like the parent perspective. And um, yeah, I think we all worked through it together. And, you know, now that you're asking me these questions, I just remembered my dad throughout this period of me going through therapy. And I believe like all the way up until probably my senior year. My dad uh, gave me a father's blessing, maybe like every other week, <laughs> if not weekly. I mean, usually we hear of like a father's priesthood blessing on like the first day of school, um, you know, when you're sick. And, and I've heard some families like maybe on January 1st for the new year. But I, I now remember just his faith. You know, he wanted to to use his, you know, priesthood power to help me. 
And I accepted those blessings because I was like, okay, you know, like I'm, I'm getting like the, the therapy and like mental health that I need, but I also need my heavenly father and I need those blessings. So I'm like, I'm going to take it all. Yeah. Yeah. I love it because so many times we feel like it's an, it's an either or situation. Mm-hmm. Like I either go to the prison, I get healed or I go to the doctor and I get healed. But for some reason, those two can't cooperate. And that's the exact opposite that we've been taught, you know, like, uh, you know, Brigham Young has that famous quote that I won't try to quote because I don't have it memorized, but yeah, just, just the idea of you got to pray like everything belongs to you and act like everything. No, that's the wrong quote, <laughs> but we need both. We need both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, actually, I think you were semi quoting president Hinckley. He said like <laughs> something along the lines of, pray like as if it all depended on him like meaning heavenly father and then stand up as if it all depended on you yes okay well i will make this promise i will go and find that quote, <laughs> find that quote. Just, like, spouting off about what uh, gordon b monson said this pretty sure so yeah. i'll chase that down um okay tell me about so you you go through counseling and um It sounds like, and again, with all counseling, you're not healed, but you instead learn tools to help work with how your brain works and and what you can do and what you can't do and that kind of stuff. Similar to, again, in a, if I have a chronic knee pain, I'm probably never, that's probably never going to go away and I will never be on the Olympic moguls team, but I can learn how to move my body in a way that works for me. Was that a similar experience to you? Yes, I, I believe so. I think um, like uh, in that same, like a broken vessel conference talk, Elder Holland said that like, yes, some of us just probably have these chemical imbalances like in our bodies, in our brains. And, but we, what I've been learning, especially even now, like I'm still learning. I personally love to, learn and teach myself about mental health and you know like self-care like any type of good coping skills but we do have some power or control into what we can do on a daily basis because for example you know exercise gives us endorphins or we have we can have like healthy types of dopamine we can lower our stress cortisol hormones, for example. So all those chemical imbalances, I think like the adversary will probably want to tell you like, oh, okay, you're doomed. Like you have a mental health problem. You have a mental health illness. Like, you know, you're done with. But I think Heavenly Father is also trying to teach us like, okay, we have the power of the gospel. We have blessings. We have the priesthood. We have the temple. We have heavenly uh, Heavenly Father's um, power to help us. And then alongside that, I, I think I'm like, if he made our bodies, he also made skills that can give us joy. Like I, I've been studying a lot about that scripture, you know, like men are like Adam fell so that men can have joy. So if we do things like listen to good music, go take a walk, spend some time in nature, you know, go swimming with the kids, I, I like to do a book club with with my friends. You are adding things that can 
change your brain. I'm actually listening to, uh, well, reading. I'm reading this time. <laughs> um, a book called something along the lines of um, Change Your Brain Daily. Yeah. And our habits can actually change our brain and change some of the like chemical things mm -hmm. going on inside there. So at this point, I think I kind of forgot your original question, but <laughs> um, all this to say is that um, we, we can't feel powerless. Like yes. there are ways to help ourselves. Journaling, meditation, prayer, scripture, all of those things do actually affect our physical health. So yeah. we, we should take advantage. I love it. Okay, so that kind of seg segues us into Tell me how this has affected your parenting. Well, I, I'll tell you that like after high school, you know, like high school, I, I always described it as like the best two years and like the worst two years of my life, because that was when I went through the teen depression. And once I, once I felt like I got my life back together, then I had so much fun. That is when like actually during therapy is when I met my husband and my therapist knew my husband from church. And I was telling her, I'm like, Oh, like, I'm not sure if I should let him into my life. And she's like, Oh no, 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 no. He's a good one. <laughs> like, I will tell you right now, like pay attention to him. <laughs> and, you know, long story short, we did the whole high school mission college and then get married when he got home so that worked out nice. um and so after high school when I went to college I literally had the best college experience of my life like the only thing that was like sad or like hard about it was that my now husband was gone on his mission <laughs> and I and I missed him like I went on dates and stuff but it you know it just didn't compare but I, I had so much fun. I went to my dream school at BYU. I, I had the best set of roommates, of friends. I had the best job. Everything seriously was so great, you know. And then you get married. You have that newlywed newlywed bliss. And then three years later, um, we had our first child. And that I think one you do have like those hormones again, you know, because of pregnancy and postpartum. And so I, I did feel like a small shift. I, I know like there's, there's women that had postpartum depression, like way more than I did. I probably feel like I had less of it because I already knew how to mm -hmm. deal with it. Um, but then at the same time, I describe my early motherhood years because now I've been a mom for almost 11 years. Okay. But um, my first half of motherhood, I felt like I was in high school again, because you were you were playing this huge comparison game to other moms who like lost all their baby weight super quick, or who has like the cool new stroller. And I kind of want that too. <laughs> you know, you, for, for me, at least, I don't know why, like in my group of friends, that was when social media started to um, get really big up and coming, um, yeah. you know, you, you have Pinterest, you see baby nurseries, you see um, people traveling with their kids and providing fun experiences. So I do think that 
everything com- combined with like afterbirth hormones to then um, what you see on social media and type of media that I was consuming. Um, it was it was just kind of hard, and especially like the the physical labors of if my my husband, you know, he had to finish undergraduate school and then graduate school. You know, we started uh, our own business, and I was mostly a stay-at-home mom most of my life. Um, I've been if I do work, I usually work at home. But either way, it was just busy. Yeah. You know, you have the bottles, the diapers, everything. But that is when I started to really slow down my life. Um, when I realized like, okay, I'm I'm starting to feel the feelings again that I felt in high school, the overwhelm, the not good enough. And I just recognize like, oh, okay, in high school, I was doing too much. Right now I'm doing too much. And so I've learned to embrace more like minimalism in my home, decluttering and taking a lot of time to myself. That was when I first realized that I'm actually more introverted <laughs> than, than I thought it was. Yeah. And I, I now really crave some of that like quiet alone time. And, and thankfully like my husband and my kids, they, they realize that. And I've been trying to teach them like, guys, like we all need to go get some sunshine. Let's go get some vitamin D. Now, we all need to like, let's drink some more water and like, just take a rest. And we, we thankfully have seen that we, we shouldn't like overschedule our kids with activities. We try to make sure that the Sabbath really is like a day of rest. And we love, you know, Sunday naps and everything that I've learned about, you know, healthy coping behaviors. I've been trying to teach that to my kids as well. Yeah. What have you done? Because it seems like um, you've struggled with it at at least at two major times in your life. Mm -hmm. What have you done to stop trying to keep up with the Joneses? And I I know, I guess that's a pre Pinterest phrase. I'm sure there's a post Pinterest phrase. Yeah. To let that go. What do you do? Well, honestly, in like a very humble way, I've just said to myself, like, just don't care, like, what other people think. Mm-hmm. And um, even my husband's like, Priscilla, like, it's okay, like, if we go to bed without the dishes being done. Or, like, it's okay if there's, you know, a pile of laundry. Like, he really actually helps me see that, like, you know, in the internal perspective of things, some things just really don't matter. Yeah. And, um, you know, thankfully, we've also been used that to be like, okay, like, if mom is feeling overwhelmed, let's get the whole family involved. Like my kids do their laundry, they're ranging from four to 10 years old. And like, they know how to, like, turn it on and like, do everything from beginning to bottom, (laughs) put the clothes in there, put the soap, put it away, fold it, you know, things like that. We have they, they do the dishes in the morning. Uh, we help with breakfast. I mean, teaching them how to cook. And we, we, we don't call it chores. We call it family help. We all have to do our family help. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I like that. I like that idea. Because like you've said, the, the weight of this perceived need to be perfect 
is crushing. And, and I think for both, I think men and women feel it differently, but we mm -hmm. certainly both feel it. Um, so that's, it's really amazing that you were able to recognize the second time what you learned the first time. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to, and maybe there are two different pieces of advice, I don't know, but what advice would you give to the high schooler who is feeling that crushing weight and the new mom or the new parent who's feeling that crushing weight? Wow, those are wonderful questions. To the high schooler first, I would say, you know, you you really are doing your best. And this is a time of growth and trying to figure out who you are. Um, like teenagers probably have so many questions about like th their future, who they are right now, you know, their friendships, everything seems so important in that moment. Um, someone said that, you know, after yearbook signing day, you find out that so many things do not matter anymore. <laughs> Similarly, how I said, like some things are really essential, but some things just really, really don't matter anymore. I know that we like, you know, teenagers, especially girls, we want to focus uh, on the clothes, on the cute boys, you know, you start dating, but what really matters is knowing your divine identity. You know, you are a child of God, your heavenly parents are there and, and they love you indefinitely. Um, I like the phrase, you know, God has high love and high expectations of you, but that's why like we have the savior because he also gives you high love and high rewards. Like that is the atonement. and. You know what, you know, for teenagers, I realized that the atonement, um, it's not just for sin. It's not just for mistakes. The second that I realized that the atonement was for sorrows and our pain and our trials to like lift us out of that burden, that's when everything changed because that is Jesus Christ. It wasn't just to, to heal like the wickedness, but it was to heal like broken hearts. Hmm. So. That's that's my first uh, thoughts for for teenagers and for mothers. I like to say that, you know, sometimes we think like, oh, I wish that I don't know. Motherhood was easier. I wish it would go by faster. I wish sometimes we really can. Um, I don't know, get stuck hoping that things would just get easier later. <laughs> but. Um, you know, I, I am getting to that point where like, well, it goes by so fast. You might as well enjoy those little small moments. And I, I've also learned to embrace in the season of motherhood is that hard things are for our good. I mm -hmm. I've been learning a, a lot of that lately because in, in theory, like, I don't like pain. Like no one likes pain. No one likes to cry about something at night. No one likes to kneel down, pray so hard that you just feel like you're in your own Gethsemane. Like no one wants to feel these awful emotions. But the more I've studied mental health and the gospel, the more I've learned that all these trials and afflictions are for our good. 
Um, it doesn't mean that we have to like shame ourselves and, and add to that pain, but it does mean that there's a purpose to our pain and that we are becoming something. We are becoming closer to, to our heavenly parents. We're becoming more like Jesus Christ. And, and we really are going through a refiner's fire where we're going to come out stronger because of it. And, you know, so I like to tell mothers that whatever hard you're going through right now, like use it for your good and then enjoy whatever good you can find. Even if it's like a little five minute spot in your day, you know, like right now, my, my youngest is four and she has such a like rowdy personality that she likes to tell me like, no, I don't want that for lunch. No, I don't want to go to the gym with you. Like, no, I don't want to take a nap. You're like, okay, that's a lot. But I can notice her smile. I can notice the way that she, she doesn't know how to pronounce certain things right. And that's like the cutest part for me. And when we practice gratitude, that is actually a very healing thing for our brain and for our spiritual hearts. Mm. Um, it's it's twofold. Like there's now even science that that proves that gratitude, whether it's just like in our heads, in a prayer, in a journal, the practice of gratitude is what keeps us going. Hmm. And I, I see that in the scriptures all the time. It's been popping out at me a lot, you know, like to be thankful or to say thanks and you know, in all things give thanks. And I'm like, wow, like the scriptures really are filled with so many like mental health practices that, that that's why it's both. We have to do both. I love it. That's amazing. Um, wrapping up, tell us how your relationship with the Savior has changed as you've gone through this. Um. I, I think back to when I was first um, learning about the gospel through the missionaries. When I was Catholic, I knew that Christ existed. I knew that he died for my sins, but um, it still seemed really far away. So what the missionaries taught me was eye-opening because I learned that Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ know me by name. They know who I am and they know my specific trials and joys and the everyday happenings of my life they are so aware and in the course of you know the last 20 25 years i feel like they they can feel my my sorrows and and that's why we have the atonement because they knew that it was going to be hard and uh, there's a quote by sherry do she said something along the lines of, you know, we already chose Jesus Christ once, like in our pre-earth life. So now the question is, like, can we do it again? And that actually is very, like, strengthening because it's like, I don't know, I don't know, some other, like, earthly skill, like riding a bike. I remember, like, I, I bought a bike in 2020, <laughs> right before the COVID shutdowns, luckily. <laughs> It was not a coincidence. It was a prompting. And I, I hadn't ridden a bike in years. But because I knew that I've ridden a bike in the past, I knew that I could do it again. So it wouldn't be as scary. So same thing with our mortal existence. We already chose Christ. So once we realize that eternal truth, 
it, it can be easier. Like, okay, like I can do it again. I can, I can choose Christ again. And I lived in heaven before. Let me return back home. So when you can make those connections, like the veil is just a lot thinner and you can say like, okay, like we can do this. Heavenly father knows that we could do this. Like, because he said so. (laughs) We know who wins. (laughs) Well, thank you again for being willing to come on and share your experiences with us. I think this is fantastic and something that a lot of us need to hear. So thank you very much. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I, you know, this is even therapeutic for me because I love remembering what what I've learned and it keeps me on my toes.